Welcome to IVF Tales, a podcast hoping to make the world of fertility treatment less lonely. We want to start conversations about different fertility journeys to empower your decisions and build a community that understands. Each week we will speak to someone whose journey to having a child has taken a little bit more than a few vodka cruises. We are your hosts, Tiffany and Amy. In today's episode, Ezra and Amy are giving us an update on where they're at with their fertility treatment. Um, Amy, did you want to? Yeah, so basically Ezra and I just recorded a short little um, update with where we're at, what's been happening this year for us in our in our fertility world. Um, you know, Ez didn't really want to do it, but I kind of convinced him. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's, it's not a long episode. It's probably only going to be about half an hour, which is more than enough. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think we talked at the end about our conversation with our doctor. Um, Mm -hmm. so in the end, we ended up calling our doctor after the miscarriage and talking to him about it. And he basically said that he thinks like the embryo was abnormal and, that's why everything happened the way it did and that we've run, because we've only got one frosty left in the freezer. So he's sort of, you know, quite optimistic that everything's going to be okay with that one. That, that sort of increases our chances of a successful pregnancy next time. So, yeah, yeah that's where we're at. So, like, obviously now with treatments not happening, where does that leave you guys? Um, so we're just currently waiting to be contacted by our clinic and just, yeah, waiting for this COVID stuff to sort of blow over. Um, he did mention to us that um, there was going to be these um, testing kits that would allow you to be tested either on the day or the day previous to your transfer. Um, mm-hmm. So if you tested positive, you just couldn't get the transfer done. And if you tested negative, then you could. Um, so whether or not, I don't know how true that is though. Like I haven't heard anything else about that, but he seemed pretty like this is happening. This is how it's going to work from now on basically for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, emotionally waiting around is just really hard, but I'm trying to, like I've said to you before, like I'm trying to just focus on, you know, nutrition and exercise and just the things that I can control rather than the things that I can't, which is when they're going to reinstate IVF treatment. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and it's such an unknown as well at the moment, like everything's up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit shitty, but, um, and I mean, you know, like initially when it, when I first, you know, obviously we were first going through everything and COVID was really sort of taking off in Australia um, I was upset because I kind of felt like another choice had been taken away, taken away from us. We mm-hmm. weren't in control. Like that was hard, but you know, obviously, time allows you to see things differently and process everything. Um, and in a way, I'm actually really thankful because it's kind of like there is an element of relief for me that we don't have to make any decisions right now. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we're just sort of at the behest of the gods, essentially, and we're just letting it letting it up to fate and 
I'm just trying to focus on, yeah, just getting myself to be healthier and, and like, you know, because we were eating. I was telling my grandmother the other day we were eating, like, a block of chocolate when we would put Ginny to bed at night and, like, <laughs> just staring at the TV. And I think, like, honestly, I think it was, like, our emotional state. Like, we were just yeah so stressed and, like, miserable. Yeah. So we were just eating all this shit food. And now it's kind of like, okay, we can't, we can't keep that up. We're going to be the size of a house. <laughs> If we kept that yeah. up. So. I mean, it, it's also Easter. Sorry. Oh, my God. So good. But don't you think Easter egg chocolate tastes different? I think, like, I'm all about, like, a Cadbury Easter egg. Hollow, solid, whatever. Yeah. Oh, I don't it's think. so good. I don't think Cadbury's Easter eggs taste different. I think the red tulip ones. I don't know. I bought Ezra, like, a red tulip bunny. And the the chocolate Ooh. is just different, yeah. Yeah, it's really different. So I didn't end up eating a lot of that. But did you guys get anything for Easter? Did you get anything from Easter for Joe? Um, no. Oh, he got me a like peanut you know, brittle derrily chocolate. Hmm. Yeah. Easter egg thing. Yeah. But I didn't get him anything because I haven't left the house. Yeah. <laughs> So great. So wonderful. Did Harriet go mental for her chocolate? Yeah. Like she's had probably three of them and we've eaten the rest. (laughs) What did Jeannie think? Was she all over it? Oh, she was all over it. And like we did like a little trail of eggs from her room to her present. So we got her like some little wooden farmyard animals to play with and that dinosaur puzzle I was telling you about in a a book. Mm -hmm. And she opened an Easter egg, like, on the way, and she's like, ooh, Easter egg, <laughs> yummy, yummy. And then, yeah, I heard her on Monday morning because I was still in bed, and I heard her saying to Ezra, because she was obviously looking for more eggs, and she was like, mm, egg, yummy, yummy, tummy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, what have we created? <laughs> yeah, well, today Harriet was telling me, oh, if, Easter Bunny come back again? Yeah. Like, yeah, in a year. Yeah, not now. <laughs> Junie was asking about the Easter Bunny in the car too, and I was like, oh, yeah, not oh, no. <laughs> what have we done? I know. <laughs> um, all right, well, we just went off on a bit of a tangent, but we hope you enjoy listening to our update episode anyway. <laughs> Happy Easter. <laughs> Happy holidays. I don't know what the right thing to say is there, so... I'm not sure. Mm. Happy chocolate eating. Yeah. Yum. Okay, so as and I are sitting here in our cupboard again, just recording an update, we thought we'd just let everyone know what's been going on in our fertility world. Yeah. Do you want to say hello, Ezra? Hello. How's it going? <laughs> um... This so, is still strange for me. Yeah, I'm really used to it now, but he isn't. So um, I just thought we'd come on and, and let everyone know how we're going. Um, did you want to maybe start, Ez? Um, yeah, well, we went for a transfer in February mm-hmm. and another one in March. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did two, 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 different, so, yeah. two different transfer um type so we did our first one was a natural cycle so lots of blood tests for me mainly every second day to check my hormones to see if I'd ovulated because they were doing it you know they were doing the transfer what five or six days after my ovulation 
Yeah. So that was really hard for me, just going in and out of the city all the time. Um, and then we went in for the transfer, and then I literally got my period a week later. So it failed. It really failed dismally. Um, and then so we went in to speak to our fertility specialist, and it turns out I had a rather large cyst on my ovary that hadn't sort of gone down, which meant that I didn't get that release of progesterone. Mm. Is that what he said? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Um, basically that was the problem there. Yeah. And then... And then tried to go again in March, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, we decided sort of in that week, so he said basically he thinks that the embryo was probably abnormal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, so we, we went backwards and forwards for the next week trying to decide if we wanted to go back again straight away or because I didn't want to be pregnant over summer or having a baby around Christmas. Mm-hmm. So then we decided to go back again because I'd got my period, you know, a couple of weeks early. Mm-hmm. We decided to go back again for another <clears throat> transfer again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so we went back again for a medicated cycle, mm-hmm. um, given what happened previously um, in March yeah, so our doctor recommended never to do a natural cycle again just because of what my ovaries did. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe we should backtrack a bit and talk about, like, us testing. So we started testing. When did we start testing again for that, that, that first transfer? We started testing at, like, six days past or something, mm-hmm. and we got a negative. Yeah. Like, it was blank. We never got a positive. We never got a positive. And I remember texting a couple of people and they're like, oh, maybe it's just still early and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, like, we're out. Like, I just knew we were out. Yeah. Um, I still got disappointed. I think you were pretty devastated too. Mm. Yeah, I feel like we're sort of running out of chances. Yeah. With, yeah, with embryos, frozen embryos. Mm -hmm. So another one's gone. I feel like we're sort of running out of time too. Like, I mean, I know that's silly, but considering, you know, we're both in our 30s, but I just feel like we wanted our kids close together. Yeah, I think that's the main sort of driver is we wanted, yeah, siblings to close together to have a good relationship together. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it took me a I guess that's out of our control. Yeah, especially <laughs> now. Um, so it took me a couple of days to sort of come around to that idea that we can't, we, you know, it's out of our control. Um, so we, um, I cried and, you know, journaled and stuff and got over it (laughs) and then decided to go back again. Mm -hmm. Um, so we did a medicated cycle. So I was taking ethanol estradiol. Um, I started taking that like straight away wasn't it um my fertility specialist did a scan to make sure all of my lining was gone and that my you know it was quite thin and my ovary had settled down because remember he said if it hadn't settled down we couldn't do it um and then basically yeah like just and i just started taking the medication and then we had it was booked for a wednesday morning and i think the tuesday night i'd said to ezra um um, you know, I was supposed to start, well, no, I didn't even think, I thought I was supposed to start the uterogestrin after I'd had the transfer, remember? Mm-hmm. I completely forgot about it. I didn't even think about it. 
And then so Ezra's tossed and turned all night because he realised that I'd made a pretty big fuck up. And then we got up the next morning and he was like, I think they're going to cancel our transfer. And I was like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, why? And, yeah, the, I'd gotten up and read, obviously, that that Amy was meant to take the, um, the progesterone um, five days before the transfer to mimic ovulation. Um, so, yeah, it looks like it wasn't going to happen. And we decided to call up um, our specialist as soon as we could. Which to, they, yeah, they opened which they at opened 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. Yeah. So we did that as soon as we could. And the nurse told us that there was a pretty good chance that they'd already started dethawing the embryo. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, yes, the cycle was definitely cancelled. Um, and luckily they hadn't. Ours was the next in line. That was like the worst 10 minutes of my life. Yeah. <laughs> that was really difficult. And so we just think, saved it. Yeah. Like I was crying and mm-hmm. like screaming at Ezra because I was like, what the fuck? Like, why is this so hard? And mm-hmm. why, how could I have possibly fucked up? so badly like just kept thinking to myself that it was all my fault mm-hmm. and um but yeah so it kind of worked out well in the end um because we didn't lose that embryo yeah um we could just delay the cycle by a week and go for a transfer the week later yeah i had to go for another blood test to make sure i hadn't mm-hmm. ovulated through the ethanol estradiol and then I was to start the progesterone, uh, the progesterone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, five days before the transfer mm-hmm. to sort of fluff in the lining. They didn't really explain that to me properly, and I'd forgotten from the two years prior when I had done it with Junie. So, mm-hmm. um, and then I got really sick of doing them vaginally. So I thought, all right, I'm going to give rectally a go, and uh, that didn't work out too well. <laughs> So anyway, the transfer day rolls around and, you know, I'm feeling sort of really flat and Ezra's sort of pumped. You always seem to get pumped on the days that we do Yeah, well, I mean, it feels like we're having a, like it's an opportunity. We're having a go. That's the best we can do. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, oh, we'll see how we go. I'm not going to get excited yet. Anyway, so we got the transfer done and... Waited, the waiting began, and this time I was like, yeah, I can't wait any longer. I need to test on five, like, five days past. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Ezra got up again really early in the morning because you were anxious. Remember, you swept the whole shed because you were so anxious. <laughs> and he comes in, and I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it when he was here. Like, I couldn't do it because he's just, like, such this big, anxious ball of energy. Anyway, and I was like, all right, I'll just wait till this afternoon and, you know, like, we'll wait till he's home. And then it got to about 11 o'clock that day and I was like, oh, I can't fucking do this. I can't wait anymore. So I went and did one while Jenny was quickly watching Play School and um, it was positive. So that was really sort of exciting. And I spent the rest of the day sort of thinking, oh, how am I going to tell Liz? You know, like, this is great and all that and talking with my sister about how to tell him and I was going to do like this scavenger hunt and I had all these plans and all of that sort of stuff and then um he got home do you do you want to talk about that yeah and there was a 
bun in the oven. Yeah. With a positive pregnancy But, like, test. how did I tell you? Like, you have to go, like, through the story. Well, you said there's, like, something in the oven for you. There's a snack. Like, yeah. And I was like, ooh, a snack. <laughs> I love snacks. <laughs> so I went, and, I went and looked at the snack, and it was a bun in the oven. Yeah. With a positive pregnancy test. He thought I'd cooked him cob loaf. <laughs> he was like, yeah. I stole that idea from Tiffany. Tiffany did that for Joe. So, um, yeah, so he got really excited and I recorded him and it was all really exciting. And then, obviously, we started testing every day, a.m. and p.m., and the line sort of wasn't getting any darker. And that was on the Monday I'd done the test, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then on the Thursday morning I took another test and it wasn't any darker. Yeah. And I messaged Ezra and I was like, I think, because he was riding his bike to work, and I was like, I think it's a chemical pregnancy. And then, like, you called me and you were pretty upset about mm. that. And then I took another pregnancy test at, like, just before we went to bed mm. on Thursday night and it was really dark. Mm-hmm. It was, like, super dark. Mm. And then you were going for a blood test on Friday. My beta was on the Friday, yeah. 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 So, you know, yeah. I, ha- I have to test before the blood test because I can't mm-hmm. wait. Mm-hmm. Um, then the beta came back. It was So, low. yeah, we it was like So, the beta came back um, at 43, and yeah. she said they like it to be over 50, the HCG level. Mm-hmm. They didn't check my progesterone at that time, Um but I'm pretty sure I started to get the pink tinging on a Friday mm-hmm. afternoon. So I started to get like a bit of a pink tinging every time I went to the bathroom. And then um, I spoke to, I think I spoke to her about that. And she was like, oh, well, let's go for another blood test on Monday to make sure your HCG is doubling appropriately. And, you know, mm-hmm. everything's, you know, it's not bad, totally bad news, but it's, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it's low. So we entered the weekend of limbo, like wondering if this pregnancy was viable, you know, because we had we had a bit of a feeling that it wasn't going to work, I think, mm-hmm. that it wasn't going to stick. And then my bleeding steadily got heavier and heavier over the weekend and I had lost my doctor's number, mm-hmm. so I couldn't call him. And then Monday rolls around, I go in for my no- another blood test and I called the nurse and said basically like my bleeding is quite heavy and she was like okay well I'm going to check your progesterone and all of that and so when she called again at around midday she was like oh you know like your HCG has doubled appropriately like everything's great there but your progesterone is really low so it's sitting in an 8 and it should be at a- around 30 or over. So you need to try these different pessaries, which are like special rectal per- pessaries. Mm-hmm. What were they, Oripro or something? Mm-hmm. So they were like a waxy bullet. And you could just pop them straight into your butthole. <laughs> which was just like so much easier. There was no mess. It was great. And... Um, then I had to go for another blood test on the Wednesday. So, like, all this time, like, basically from Thursday to the Wednesday, so six days of just sitting on, like, nails. It felt like I was sitting on nails, like, on the edge of my seat, like, mm-hmm. wondering, is this pregnancy going to work? And is it not? Plus the two weeks. Before that. Before that. Yeah. And it's kind of like... 
you know, the bleeding was heavy. I, I just didn't believe that a pregnancy could be sustained through bleeding that heavily, you know, and I was starting to clot and everything. And, and then the blood test results came back on the Wednesday and my HCG was back down to 16. So Mm -hmm. I had obviously like lost the pregnancy, Mm -hmm. which I mean, pretty much devastated us again. Hey? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think we sort of had come to realize that over the weekend Mm -hmm. that it was looking pretty hopeless, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it still sort of knocks you. I still think you have this, that level of hope, look, though. Yeah, that. And then when she called on the Monday and was like, HGG's higher, it was kind of like, mm-hmm. can this happen? Like, mm-hmm. can this be okay? And, yeah, like, mm-hmm. I just think that you get your hopes up and, like, regardless of what you're doing, mm-hmm. there's always that little glimmer of hope. And then, yeah, just to be told, no, that it's not. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sad. So another failed cycle. Yeah. So now we're down to, we've got one embryo one left embryo in the freezer. Yeah. And um, just sort of, this is all sort of started happening too, like when we dis- we started to socially distance and the coronavirus hit Australia and now we can't go back mm-hmm. again until our clinic reopens or, you know, takes on new new cycles. Yeah, until I guess the government changes its policy on... Mm. on urgent procedures which is really hard and we're doing you know like a whole episode about that so i won't sort of go too much into it but it's just been a bit hard sort of you know knowing that you're carrying and I, I think i bled for about 10 days in total and you know like every time i'd go to the bathroom it was a reminder of what wasn't there and what couldn't be and you know then not being able to go and meet my friends for a coffee or you know like being able to do things to distract myself, like go outside and go shopping, like to leave the house sort of thing, that was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't actually feel like I started to process what had happened until maybe like, you know, like a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. you know, like it really sort of hit me. And um, I don't know, like it's just really, really difficult to sort of explain because, you know, you're very early pregnant, you get the positive pregnancy test. And when you've been through something like we have, like fertility treatment, that's to us, that is a pregnancy. We got a positive pregnancy test. You know, I was pregnant and then it's gone. And I know other people classify that as a chemical pregnancy, but I feel like a chemical pregnancy is a miscarriage. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just I feel almost like there is this reasoning that because we weren't, like, further along, it shouldn't be as devastating for some people. Maybe people who haven't gone through fertility treatment, it shouldn't, like, they see it as, though, oh, you know, like, it was just very early, so whatever. But I think it's devastating for us because we lost another chance. Yeah. And we're running out of chances. And now we're on a time limit. Yeah. Like, we, we have one more go at this before we need to decide if we're going to do another whole round, like a whole round of IVF. And Mm -hmm. we don't know what we're going to do. We're sort of talking about that, toing and froing. And, um, you know, we also would like to give Junie a sibling. And I think a lot of people, again, who haven't gone through fertility treatment, find it hard to understand why you can't just be happy with one baby. Um, you know, that's really difficult to sort of explain. And it's kind of like, why do I have to justify what I want to you 
when if we were naturally fertile people, it would be fine. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be qu- like we people wouldn't be questioning us about that. Um, you know, like you know, people are saying, oh, if you've just got Junie, then that's that's okay. Like that's good enough. And it's like, well, that's good enough for you. Like that's not what we want. That's not how we imagined our life. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it is great. Like I can't imagine our life without Junie. Of course not. But that's I think not we also saying. want a sibling for Junie as well. Like we want someone for her to grow up with and yeah, and to, to relate to and to, to have manage some, our level of fucking crazy shit. Yeah, <laughs> to have someone to so we can like fuck them up equally and they can like support <laughs> each other through that fucked that's, upness. Yeah. You know, like how hard is that to fucking understand and. Yeah, so I just feel like there's, like, a whole level of thing. And I thought, like, I remember this thought so clearly when I obviously got the results back from the nurse and, you know, she said your HCG is getting lower, and which means, you know, you've lost the pregnancy. I was just thought, like, you know, this is just a club I don't want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I've joined so many clubs in my life that I don't want to be a part of, and one of them is the fertility community, the fertility club, which, you know, I've, we've embraced that now and obviously with this podcast and stuff, I've embraced it, but then it's kind of like at the next level is like, okay, well, you know. And, you know, like I was talking to Ezra and saying, statistically, this is our turn, you know, like we've had four transfers, it was going to happen at some stage, you know, but that's not a comforting thing to think about sometimes either. No. And, I mean, it just got to the point, too, where everyone kept sort of saying, oh, you know, like, I'm sorry that this is happening. It's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And it's just, like, I just wanted to lose my fucking shit and be like, I'm sick of hearing the words I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just a shit situation. The yeah. whole thing is shit. Mm-hmm. So I got really over that. I found that hard. Because I didn't really understand why I was getting annoyed with people telling me that they're sorry. Like, they're doing the right thing. They're te- Like, they're not trying to offer advice. They're not trying to do anything. They're just saying that they're sorry. And they genuinely are. But mm-hmm. it's kind of like that's not what I wanted to hear at that stage. You know, I wanted to hear something else. I don't even know what I wanted to hear, you know. So, anyway, that's how, that's where we're up to. So, now we're in the waiting place again. Till this global pandemic mm, decides to bugger off um all i could think about that that whole time we were waiting was that story by dr seuss where like other places you'll go remember we mm-hmm. talked about that a lot and we were saying like we're in the waiting place and it's really hard and now i feel like we're stuck here again sort of yeah but i mean we decided to take a break and we're exercising and we're trying to eat healthier and just sort of take back a little bit of control mm-hmm Um, our doctor said basically that he thinks this embryo was also abnormal, which means the chances of our last transfer taking are looking more promising because we've had two abnormal embryos and I think that works out statistically, or three technically if you count the first one that didn't work. So, yeah, yeah, we haven't had any PGS testing done, so we don't know. Mm -hmm. Either that or we just got really really lucky with Junie yeah and then I just hate feeling like we're leaving it up to luck you know like like we have no control over anything um the only thing we have control over is to try yeah exactly so but basically yeah that's so he 
he just thinks that we'll go back again, we'll do a HRT cycle again, exactly the same as we did last time. So ethanol, estradiol and the Oropro, um, he was saying that by putting the pessaries in rectally, your body absorbs it quicker, I think, mm-hmm. um, and more efficiently. So we'll probably just do it like that because with the second blood test that I, my HCG test, it showed that my body was absorbing the progesterone again. So um, that was positive. That's something we learned from yeah. that. Um but yeah, sorry we couldn't give you guys any more positive news. But this is fertility treatment, isn't it? That's it. Hopefully we can come back in a couple a of months <laughs> with some more positive news. Mm. All right, thanks guys. Thank you. so much for joining us today we hope you enjoyed this episode if you like listening to the podcast and would like to share your story we will pop the link in the show notes be sure to hit subscribe so when we release new episodes it lands straight into your listen now if you could also leave us a review for the show that would be so appreciated no words are needed just stars if you're on the Apple app, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and tap to rate. This makes a massive difference to our show's visibility and helps us to get our show out and about to others experiencing fertility treatment. IVF Tales is an independent production made by Amy and I. Music is by Volet Gilushenko. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>